You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. The Bible says that if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. Can I submit to you today this idea and this thought that there are many sitting on pews of churches just like this that have lived their whole life under a guise, under an assumption that they're okay with God, but all they have is man-made religion, but they've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and having been born again into the family of God. If you look on the internet, you'll see that there's a whole lot of pretenders out there. People that know how to make their life look like something it's not. They post the right pictures and say the right things, but the truth is that these things couldn't be further from the reality of their lives. In today's message, Pastor Gary teaches us that just because you go to church and know the right people and say the right things, it doesn't make you a Christian. To be a Christian, you must follow Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 17 as he begins his message, House on Fire. Acts chapter number 17, verse number 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. So Paul was teaching a series. Amen. Verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy. Pay attention to that took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things, when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. 
These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men not a few. Focus with me on verse 5. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy. The word envy comes from the Greek word zelu, which means to have warmth of feeling for or against. In other words, I would interpret that as they were hot. Would you agree? Say amen. They took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. I want to preach this morning with God's help on house on fire. We have a couple of problems or perceived problems that these Jews are trying to rectify. The unbelieving Jews in particular was not subscribing to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had their religions that they were taught for a lifetime from a child. And it was not easy for them to just simply have someone else come in after a lifetime of having believed one way to be then told that the way they have interpreted scripture was at least in part incorrect and that they needed to adapt to the age of grace. Imagine with me, if you will, how that would feel in modern day. If a preacher were to come into this church and begin with scripture to teach you that things you've been taught your whole life were not exactly right and this is really the way it should have been interpreted and this is really the way it should have been applied. I dare say many would be outraged. I dare say many would be hot in their spirit. Because what happened, they had envy in their hearts. These preachers of the gospel claiming that Jesus was the Messiah that they crucified was just making them furious because it was messing with everything they had going in their religious sect. I mean, think about it. They were in cahoots with the tax collectors. They were in cahoots with the religious powers that be. They had a good thing going for them. And especially the priests, whom God rebuked many times in the Old Testament for using their position of authority as in a position of abuse and power and manipulation, uh, they were not ready to give up their seats of power without a fight. They were not willing to lose more people from Judaism to Christianity. Uh, they were already losing a great following in other cities, and they were trying to set up barricades lest this gospel turn this city upside down like it has the rest of the world. And so they are furious. I would say that with their envy and with their hot spirit, they set the house of Jason on fire with their fury. Because they brought the whole, I mean the Bible said there, they brought certain lewd fellas of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted 
the house of Jacob. One definition for that word assaulted indicated they were standing on top of it. I could see it now, can't you? It's like a mob rushing the man of God's house, expressing their fury and their indignation for him daring to come in and preach to them that Jesus was the Messiah. They were angry. They were hot. And they were not about to give up their turf without a fight. May I propose to you today that among other things, the reason the Jews which believe not assaulted or put heat from their envy upon the house of Jason is because what Jason preached and received of Paul and Silas caused them to feel assaulted. This is, I believe, a picture of religious vengeance. How dare that preacher get up and say what he just said when I know what I have believed uh, for my whole life uh, and he comes in, uh, I tell you what I'm going to do. He assaulted me verbally. I'm going to assault him every way I can. And so they assaulted the man of God because they were not willing to receive the truth which was in direct opposition to what they believed to be true. And the Bible says uh, that if the blind lead the blind, they shall both fall in the ditch. The Bible says that if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. Can I submit to you today this idea and this thought that there are many sitting on pews of churches just like this that have lived their whole life under a guise, under an assumption that they're okay with God, but all they have is man-made religion, but they've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and having been born again into the family of God. And to that kind of crowd, if I were to get up and try to convince the naysayer of their need for Christ, they would, in fact, many of them get angry with the preacher because the preacher dares to challenge the status quo of today's religion. Can I get an amen this morning? And I believe that many times today, preachers of the true gospel of Christ and who herald the purity of God's word above all else are still, their houses are still being set on fire. Can I put it this way? They were trying to burn Jason out. They were looking for him. They were putting pressure and trying to find him. And when they found him, him they accused uh, him before all, uh, saying what crimes, quote-unquote, that he had committed. And who is this Jason uh, to assume the authority to accept uh, Paul and Silas? And who is Paul and Silas to challenge the status quo? And, and uh, what college was Paul and Silas from? Uh, what denomination were Paul and Silas? And they began uh, to discredit uh, what God had already put as an authority on these men of God because they did not readily recognize who they were or where they came from, assuming that God would only approve what came from their sort and their class and their crowd. Can I get an Amen. But what I've learned is when God, the Holy Ghost, is ready to start a move of God in any people group, uh, whether it be an individual, a church, a family, or a nation, many times God pulls someone up out of the backside of a desert that only has the training of the Holy Spirit of God and that don't know the intricate details or the inner workings of uh, the powers that be. Uh, they cannot relate to the religious status quo because they were not raised on it. They don't even think like that. They come from a completely different perspective. 
expected because they were not trained to think and act and be like a status quo. They were not taught to promote or endorse uh, this brand or that brand. Uh, they simply had no better knowledge than to simply read the Word of God and trust it as it was written and as the Holy Spirit gave him utterance and as the Holy Spirit taught him. Uh, and many today will discredit a preacher who doesn't have a Bible college degree. Uh, uh, many will discredit a preacher who doesn't come from their neck of the woods uh, or who isn't recognized by their preferred recognizers if there's such a thing. Uh, uh, but let me say today more than we need people with college educations uh, and that's a good thing to have. I'm not promoting ignorance as a badge of honor uh, but let me tell you what I am promoting. Uh, I am promoting the endorsement of heaven this morning. Amen. If it's from the word of God, if it's purely God's word and the anointing of God is on the individual declaring the word of God, if God be for them, who can be against them? If you're with me, say amen. And so Jason was bringing in Paul and Silas. They weren't recognized by the religious elite. And so they were furious about that. They were not cut of the same cloth. And so the revelation of Jesus Christ not only threatened their way of life, but their way to heaven in their own minds. And that's why they're mad. How dare they? Now, that's my foundation. Now let me say this. I want to introduce to you now the root problem, what I believe to be the root problem of our text amongst opposing viewpoints that we see in our text, namely the word discrepancies. And I want to ultimately close this message today on teaching you from the Word of God how to quench the fires of discrepancy in the church. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? What are you talking about discrepancies? I'll point them out to you, but I'll go ahead and give you the brief outline now. Many times what is written and what is preached and what is practiced could be two or three different things. If you're with me, say amen. It poses a problem. I dare say that many churches today are on fire and burning to the ground because people are not willing to identify and rectify the discrepancies between what is preached and what is practiced and what is allegedly believed. We often say that we believe this or we believe that, but then all practicality, we don't really put our feet where our mouth is. Now let me show it to you in the text. Verse number 2, the Bible said, uh, Paul, and as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them. Where did he reason with them from? Out of the Scriptures. This is what is in print. This is what is written. This is the authority of heaven. This is what Jesus did in the wilderness when he was tempted to Satan and he responded every time, it is written, it is written, it is written. And if Jesus Christ himself stood upon what is written, then who are we to assume any other source as our authority or as our guide? Can I get an amen? And so we see here that the disciples' authority came from the Scriptures, whereas the unbelieving Jews' authority came from both a mixture of their man-made traditions as well as the laws of the land. 
Oh, yes. They was worried about Caesar. It's because they was in cahoots with him. They was worried about the religious powers of be because they were some, amongst some of those, no doubt, that helped write some of the extra 400 commandments that were even in the original Old Testament because God, they thought, needed a little help clarifying. Can I get another amen? <laughs> and so this creates a discrepancy in religious circles all the time. People who assume that their tradition is well-based in Scripture when in fact they have been misled. Either deliberately or out of ignorance. Some people do it on purpose. Some people simply do not know. But there are many today who are ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the actual truth. And so we see a discrepancy between Paul and the religious Jews because of who they assumed that their authority came from. And Jesus told that same crowd, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life. But then he said, and they are those which testify of me. He said, if you'll study your Bible hard enough, you'll find out that the Old Testament that you claim salvation out of is testifying of the very one that you're plotting his murder. Wow. How can religious folk go so far and so out of touch with reality from the Word of God? How can you be a Judas and kiss the door of heaven and go to hell? Well, it's simple. When you listen to the slithering lies of the serpent who twists the words of God just enough to make it say what it didn't say, but sounds religious enough to where you swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And so there's often a vast discrepancy in what is printed and the religious powers to be what they actually refer to as their final authority. Not only that, but we see the discrepancy in what is practiced in verse number 7. It said, these all do contrary. Notice they're mad about what they're doing. These all do contrary to what? To the decrees of Caesar. Now wait a minute. If they knew what was best for them, they would also search the Scripture. Because they would understand that Christ's kingdom is not of this world. Christ's kingdom does not submit to any earthly authority, no matter how big, long, or outstanding they are. Some people think that credibility lies in historical longevity. But let me tell you this, 6,000 years of lying is still alive and if it's been told for 6,000 years. It doesn't matter how long that religion has been in existence. Its age is not its authority. Well, I've been believing this my whole life. So what? The Bible says you must be born again. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Not whosoever shall join this church or be baptized here or, or do this religious deed or do that religious deed. And many today uh, uh, rest upon long-standing beliefs. And after all, our church has been in existence uh, longer than any other church in town. And not knowing that the Rock of Ages has been here long before any of us were ever created and He is the ultimate authority. And if we don't all bow the knee to Him, then we will all suffer an eternity for it. So we see discrepancies in what's written and versus what's practiced today. Many want you to, they don't really care what you uh, say you believe as long as you don't start practicing it sometimes. Amen. When Christianity becomes practical, then it becomes a problem for some. I've heard of sinners like my dad get saved and people say, well, we didn't want them to get that saved. Well, what do you mean? Well, he's over here preaching to us now. And they loved him better when he was lost. God answered their prayer and saved him. He went from a public nuisance to a gospel preacher. Right? And now the same people that was mad at him for being an embarrassment of a drunk in the community is now mad at him because he calls their sin out and tells them they must repent like he did. What do you want? You can't have the best of both worlds. Amen? What I'm saying is some religious people just want a little dab that'll do them. And their authority is based on anything but the final authority, which is the Word of God. What are we to do as a church if we find a discrepancy between what we are doing and what we are saying or between what we were doing and what the Word of God says. We all know the answer. We need to repent and get right, correct? Straighten up and fly right. We all know that, but how often do we ignore that? How often is there a discrepancy that remains? Many children today, rather adults that were children in evangelical homes similar to this one, are out in the world and they have rejected the cross. They have rejected Christ. They have rejected the gospel because all they saw in their church were hypocrites. They saw the discrepancies and even maybe called them out. But when the religious was called out, they became self-righteous and justified their wicked deeds rather than humbling themselves and apologizing and getting right with their child and getting right with the Lord so that they would know that it was the real deal. And so today we have many churches who are on fire and crumbling because no one is willing to talk about the discrepancies. No one wants to get honest with God and man. Note that the devil does not fight until you read out of the script, until, excuse me, what you read out of the scriptures begins to shape what you do with your life. Some say they believe one way while showing they believe another. Pastors a lot of times get in trouble with this. <laughs> I won't mention the name, but I've pastored a church one time. I was told that they believed one way, but when I got in and started pastoring, I found out they practiced a completely different standard than what they preached. Needless to say, the Lord didn't want His Holy Spirit grieved any longer 
than what had transpired. And so the Lord moved us on because there was a church that was unwilling to rectify the discrepancies between what they said and who they were. Tragedy. In the same church, if my recollection is right, my son uh, was amongst the children in the Sunday school classes, and the Sunday school teacher brought the, okay, the Southern Baptist Creed from 2007, and she proceeded to tell the class that they needed to learn why we believe what we believe, and instead of taking the Word of God as her text, she took this third-party document as her text. Today's teaching is coming to an end, but you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Here at True North, we encourage all of our listeners to dive into Scripture regularly on your own. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to guide your reading and reveal God's truth to you. Thanks for joining Pastor Gary Cottle today for True North. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new edition. If you'd like to learn more about True North or Pastor Gary, visit GaryCoddle.com. Would you like to plan a visit to worship and study the Bible with Pastor Gary? You can find all the information you need about where he pastors and how you can visit at GaryCoddle.com. If you're not in the area, we do encourage you to find and begin attending a Bible-teaching church near you. Find a family of faith that you can invest in and who will encourage you in your own walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or would like to find out how you can support Gary Cottle Ministries and True North, please reach out to Pastor Gary. He can be reached at contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on True North.